You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Shout out to Eric Cressy, somebody yeah. I've known for a very long time. Yeah, I've never met him, sadly. Um, it's been a long time since I've been been in the same per- place with him, and I haven't talked to him in ages either. His his life got super busy, my life got busy, and I didn't um, I didn't keep up with him like I should have, and you know, to be honest, vice versa. But uh, somebody that I've known for a long time, somebody who's uh, whose judgment about things I have um, generally agreed with, yeah, over time. Yeah, I've, I've read a lot of his stuff over the years, especially in the beginning when I was really getting into strength and conditioning for like kids or I wanted to work with NBA players was a goal back of mine back in the day. Um, he's obviously kind of powerlifting basics, but strength and conditioning, uh, emphasis in baseball, I think, just because he probably played baseball. Serious f- emphasis in baseball. Yeah, a lot of those guys. And he's Boston <clears throat> and Mike Boyle. There's a lot of camps like that that kind of rooted out. I mean, it's so weird to see the landscape of where we are now because like everyone came from like three camps. Pretty you know, much, there's like yeah. a West Side camp. There's kind of like a Michael Boyle Cressy camp. Mm-hmm. Um, we know a DeFranco, a DeFranco yeah. camp, kind of, and then people just kind of spread. Even Joe Ken, shut out the big house, you know. And then people like you see like who they've worked with or who they ran around, and you're like, yeah, there's like six pockets, and then now it's exploded. Now they're literally everywhere. Like Jordan Syatt. Yeah. I think Jordan Syatt was an intern with Cressy or Boyle, one of the two. <clears throat> I think Cressy. Cressy, I think. Um, um, Christ, what's his name? Um, and for those that don't know, yeah, like sites blown up on the internet. He coaches Gary V. He puts out a bunch of good content. And like a buddy of mine or a buddy of ours, and uh, same thing. Yeah, he just went from Cressy to his own thing. But twenty years ago, there was only yeah. He also went the West Side route too because he, he did, was at West he did Side some for stuff like for three Louis months, as well. something like that. But uh, yeah, Cressy just was named the head strength and conditioning coach for the Yankees, which is weird because I know he's a giant Red Sox fan. So like, yeah. I think same with our boy Ram, though. I think Ram grew up in the Bay Area and was a Golden State guy, and they ended up working with the Kings. I mean, and now he's at Kansas. Uh, Kansas, yeah. 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 I think March Madness is uh, coming to sack, so I think we're planning to go to a game if you want. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what round, but I know they have a round here, and it's normally cheap. I think it, one of the early rounds. Yeah, it'd be fun. That's what it was, I yeah. think, last time. Yeah, last time it was the first or second round. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to go to the high school games, too. Oh, yeah. with Sierra Canyon, which is uh, LeBron James' kid and Dwayne Wade's kid. They're on the same team, and I'm sure they'll be it. I think they'll be a golden one. They used to bounce back and forth for the state championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be up here, and football was the same. It would Sometimes well, every other year it would be NorCal and then SoCal, but I think they just said golden one now, which is kind of funny. That is interesting. Yeah. Well, Staples is cool, but like <clears throat> LA's so big anyways. All those schools are so spread out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be down there next month. And I'm not looking forward to getting around in LA. That's the yeah the big issue. Talk about my best friend. We were talking about the other episode. Uh, just different for me. Like he's moving to LA and he's like trying to find his public transit bicycling route to get to work. I'm like, bro, you and I are. I'm Ubering. I'm like fuck that noise. Yeah, although it, that can be scary. Too. All of it sucks. LA, yeah, I'm I'm trying not to travel. That's I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna have to this year, even though we got a bunch of projects. Jim and I, and even me and Connor are working on that are pushing really hard right now so we'll find out in the next three months what happens but um yeah i'm trying to shut it down again i'm trying not to travel i am uh i'm off to the east coast um 
when this episode comes out, I'll be in New York. Which so. is a smart play by you. Like, fuck going for Christmas. You can do your own Christmas the week after. Yeah. You're like, yeah. that's a long flight. And yeah. to have, like, more potential delays, more potential assholes sitting next to you. Everyone's <laughs> antsy and grumpy. Yeah, might as well just do it the week later. Yeah, just do it later yeah, or whatever. Cares. So, yeah. Uh, Halifax with uh, um, my son and his family. And then... Uh, New York City for a uh, few days. I do want to go back to New York. I was talking to our buddy, uh, Kenny Santucci, who's trying to do more seminars out there. And he invited me to this last one, which looked insane. He turned out what uh, I did. I think I did the first two seminars with him at their gym. And it was a really good turnout. And a lot of people showed up. It was a lot of fun. But he turned it what looked into like a fitness expo. I think he rented a space. And oh. there's people everywhere. You know, yeah. A lot of our friends were out there. Jordan Shallow, Muscle Doc, and Steffi, and my friend Hannah Eden. A bunch of people were out there doing talks and classes and whatever. Um, but I think he's trying to do a couple of those multiple times a year now. So. I just like New York. I really do. Yeah, me too. Um, a bunch of people tell me no when I say like I like it. They're like, nah, I don't really like it. I think I the know. last time I was there was when you and I were there. Yeah, it's, I don't know why. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy the livelihood. People seem nice. People seem like, it seems like they're, um, LA, it seems, and this is 1,000% just stereotyping. LA, it seems like people aren't going to look at you in the eye because they think they're better than you and their time matters more. People in New York are not going to look you in the eye because they're just busy. Yeah. If they if they weren't, it's not it's not anything personal. I don't think it is, and maybe no. that's just the vibe I get. But L.A., I think they think they're better looking, cooler, and make more money than me. And they, and, and, and that's they, probably all true. All true, besides the money part. <laughs> they're all just trying to flex, then pretend they make more money, so then they can feel better. Like like uh, the big the key, the emotional philosophical twenty twenty life coach Mike. New Yorkers are confident. Not New Yorkers. The people that live in Manhattan. Because let's yeah, be real, yeah, yeah. majority of them probably moved there. Same with LA. Like probably everyone so, complains yeah. about LA people, but like people that grew up in LA are great. It's people that move to LA that suck. LA people are faking it. And that's why I don't think I like LA. Because that type of person that goes there to be the Hollywood dream, to you know serve Diet Cokes and whiskey all weekend, just to go to one audition and pretend they're an actor, to look to buy a fake Rolex to flex on me to Lisa Maserati to think they're better than me. Mm-hmm. Or New York, I think they're still trying to chase that dream in a way, but like very least they're an intern at whatever studio or something. I don't know, and I'm making all this stuff and rambling, but I do feel they're like more confident in New York, and they're just they're just doing their own shit and they're just busy. They're they're not the foupon, you know, pushing me to the side. I think that the the a huge difference about New York versus. LA is that people don't pay attention to <laughs> to uh, the crosswalk signs. Yeah, for sure not. They just go. Yeah, for sure not. And the cars don't, nobody does. It's like you're taking your life in your own hands. Yeah. But we have more pedestrian accidents here in Sacramento. I've, I think uh, we were per like, capita. we were like top 10, 20. For, we were top yeah. 10, 20 for some of the worst shit. Yeah. Uh, I think we had top 10, 20 worst drivers. And that was based on tickets, speeding, red lights, and DUIs. Mm-hmm. We are top 10, 20, and don't be fooled, kids. This is maybe not correct. Top 10, 20 in the nation, ugliest cities. Oh, really? How fucked up? No, I don't think that's true. But we are top 10, 20, which is probably a good thing. Um, most diverse, mm-hmm. which is cool and that's believable. True. And everyone always scoffs at me. Like, bro, like, you just don't know. You have to look around. And then we are top 10, 20, oh, um, most expensive places to live. That's a possibility. No, yeah. yeah. There's obviously like the New Yorks, the San Francisco's, you know, the Hawaii's or whatever. Um, but then it started to go like Boston. And then you start to think about it. You're like, all right, Seattle. And then like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're the same as LA if you take away Beverly Hills. I think that we're, yeah, we're the same as LA and the, and um, the, 
the um, what call it is getting really close. The um, oh, and they looked at like everything. They looked at like some basics like gas, rent, uh, average house price, uh, like a pound of rice, like some like basic life things, and, and analyzed it up, which kind of surprised me. But when you think about it. I was going to look this up, and now my phone is so confused. Uh, uh, most expensive. <laughs> I was trying to type in most, most expensive American cities, and I'm getting most expensive American girl doll. What the hell is that? Cabbage patch, a rare item? Uh, no, they're, it's a whole big series of... Uh, <clears throat> they're like Americana dolls. Oh, I think I know. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of. I don't believe any of that shit anymore. People told me when I was a kid, Beanie Baby's going to be worth shit. So yeah, I was Beanie Baby's went. To, yeah, nowhere. I think there's like one. There's like one that's worth a shit ton of money, but no one has it. My um, my grandson, my older grandson, is really into Pokemon cards. Yeah. My my other son's wife uh, had a bunch of Pokemon cards, so we're taking them with cool. us. But like, like they, I know that my 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 son and uh, and his wife use Pokemon cards as kind of a reward system. And this is like flooding the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think my he better be on good behavior. Yeah, my wife texted him and said, uh, "How do you want to handle this? <laughs> like maybe not all of them at once because there's like hundreds." I'm gonna sound like a total boomer, but it, I uh, I grew up playing video games. I grew up all, in all this world, so I played the first Pokemon, obviously on like the big old brick Game Boy. For those yeah. out there, you know this thing was fucking the size of a shoe, uh, no color, just basic and i don't i forgot there's 60 pokemon maybe maybe 100 pokemon and that was it mm-hmm. i just recently played the new one that just dropped shield or sword or whatever why are they gonna make shit so complicated there's there's like eight thousand pokemon i don't know what any of them do you don't even recognize their names or their faces like part of the cool part was like you knew what was rare you knew what was cool right you knew what was in a, and now there's like a billion they just fuck it i feel bad for your grandson poor kids <laughs> not even know what a cool pokemon is because there's so many <laughs> Shit ones out there. That's a good possibility. Yeah. So top ten most U.S. Ex- expensive U.S. I think we're US like fifteen. Cities. I think we're like 15. yeah. So we're out, we're not in the top ten there. So we're probably in the top twenty. Yeah, I think we're fifteen. NYC, SF, yep, Honolulu, Boston, D.C., Oakland. Oh, DC. I forgot about D.C. Oakland, San Jose, San Diego, Los Angeles. How stupid San Francisco, Miami. Oakland, and San Jose are all the same. I mean, they're not the same. They're like San Francisco to San Jose, yeah, no traffic's an hour apart. But yeah. Oakland to San Francisco, no traffic is 30 seconds apart. It's one bridge apart. And they're two of the most expensive top five. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's. I don't know why that that's not all considered it just like giant mega city and not. Um, I don't even like the Bay Area either. And people love that shit. Everyone's trying to move there. And obviously there's opportunity for work and a lot of wealth going on. But I hate that area too sometimes i don't understand why the big tech firms are so centered on san francisco when it's so expensive to be there and like you know we've both been in the situation uh, uh together and separately where we're trying to create uh businesses that are are financially efficient so that they actually make money like why would you saddle yourself with giant rents and giant uh uh, payroll requirements. Yeah, expectation of payroll. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of them are, are running off venture capital money. Yeah. But even other people like Amazon, right? They're big. They have this big lottery on what city they're going to throw their second HQ in, and they chose something like close to DC, but not in DC. They chose something like randomly in Virginia, like super smart. 
It's going to be yeah. way cheaper. They're going to they're stoke the little economic flame there, and they, they're gonna not going to have to pay as much. Where, like... Where they're paying no taxes that it is. Yeah, like, that's, that's true, too. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, rather than Amazon belongs in, like, a Silicon Valley when you think about it. Yeah. But they're, they said, screw that, and I agree. Well, on to our topic. Um, men versus women. In terms of training, and yeah. I tend to discount the differences, me personally. Women need to tone, and men need to strength train. I, I don't think about it that way. I think that I think that pretty much anything that works for men has got to work for women. Is there a psychological component I'm not aware of? I mean, women, they're just like, oh, I don't want to get bulky, that kind of thing. But yeah. we, we know that that doesn't technically happen thing, that much. I, mean, I know. But it technically doesn't. No. People don't like... You know, mess around and get a triple double. That's no. that's yeah, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Yeah, if you, you start eating pizzas all day every day and lifting, you never have. You might end up with a bulkier look. Yes, possibly. Yeah, not. but if you control your calories and just start just weight training, yeah, that's the other thing too. I think just the basics of that concept of you can grow a muscle um, or you can shrink a muscle, and that's it. We can't mold these muscles. We can't make them look peaky. We can't make anything happen. A muscle can grow or it cannot grow. Um, there are different types of uh, muscle fibers, which are used during different movement types or, or intensity types. Mm-hmm. Something like a long run, we use different muscles in your leg compared to like a three rep max squat. We'll use different muscles in your leg. Um, and so to stimulate both, to train both, um, is probably optimal to grow optimally. Um, and the, the percentage of breakup in a muscle, and I don't think they know this, uh, and I brought this up in another podcast, I think, but the percentage of muscle fiber type, I would love to see the variance in um, average men to women, which we just know men tend to have more type 2, like an explosive muscle fiber type than a woman. That's why just some of the basics, like more men can dunk a basketball than women can, or whatever. Men tend to be a little bit faster, a little bit stronger mm-hmm. than most women, if you're taking all averages. Men tend to have more upper body strength. Yeah, than, than yeah. Than women could probably their their squat might be more closely related to a man's squat compared to their bench, more closely related to a man's bench. Um, but I would love to see like the extremes of man to man muscle fiber type, mm-hmm. and then and then the extreme of woman to woman, like the the most explosive woman on the planet versus the least explosive mm-hmm. woman on the planet. Because mm-hmm. I imagine the most explosive, and we just know this just going to powerlifting meets. Like there's some chicks crushing deadlifts, where some dudes are barely pulling, you know, two twenty five or something like that. Yeah. Like obviously, there's such a broad range of. Uh, you guys are gonna think I do a bunch of drugs, and I don't. I don't do any drugs. But I was like thinking in my head. I probably said it out loud. Sometimes I don't even think. Going back to like confidence, and I'm pretty confident, so I just like say what's on my mind, regardless if I sound stupid. And so like, I'll be talking to the boys or something. I said something like, "Bro, isn't it?" And again, you guys are gonna think I'm gonna do a bunch of drugs, but I was like, "Bro, isn't it crazy?" Like the variance of like dog breeds, like they look like different species. Like if you really think, like if you took <laughs> yeah. like a Yorkie and you put that thing next to a bull mastiff, you're like, yeah. how is this the same thing? Yeah. But then you think of the same thing with humans. Like you take LeBron James yeah. and you sit him next to me and you don't know either of us and you look at LeBron and then my little pudgy ass, you're like, well, they're probably not the same thing <laughs> either. Really. You know, like <laughs> so skin tone's were... different, hair's different. He's all jacked. He can jump through the ceiling and then there's, you know, little Italian me. Like those variances are very true. Um, point being, the variance within... Human to human, I think, is almost more important than even sex um, when it comes to training. Yeah, that's probably true. Or gender or all that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So often when we um, when we imagine, when, when writers or, or people who make science fiction or whatever imagine what aliens look like, they, they all kind of look like each other. Yeah. Like yeah. There's, not, there's not much differentiation. Right. 
Yeah, you don't get a tall, skinny alien in a small. Typically not there. They tend to be all the same height. That's and interesting. They, yeah, yeah. Um, or even like dwarfs, like all the seven dwarfs. I guess they're a little different. But well, like, but like in Lord of the Rings or something, yeah. Like all the Lord elves the look, yeah. All the elves look the exact same, pretty much. There's like no variance, like the long blonde hair. Yeah, or all the hobbits all look the same. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And I, I just, if somebody, if a, if an alien came to Earth and they looked at us, they might decide that women are are closer, closely related species, but not maybe the same. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And again, it, I think it depends uh, human to human. But going to the training part, um, I already like know because some of these questions we've, we talked about in the beginning of this podcast like are more closely related to what I and Jim are like what we do. So like, yeah. this question is pretty closely related to what I do for a living over the last decade. So I can answer this one straight-ish enough. We're going to get more science-y with Greg. Right. Um, for, what, for, for, for all intensive purposes or what you need to know, no. They can train the exact same. Um, if you're trying to really optimize perhaps bodybuilding or really optimize powerlifting. Um, again, I think the individual difference will outdo any difference that I can make against men versus women. There are some, there are some, um, and I am a little like cheating here cause I've read a bunch of Greg's stuff and he's recently talked about some of this and I've already read it. So we're cheating this episode, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the individual differences, but by an elite athlete are going to be more, um, something you have to look at than just man versus woman. But, um, Women obviously uh, tend to be a little bit better at reps for some reason. If we're again blanket coding something, and males typically do three reps at ninety percent ish, uh, a lady might be able to whip out four, five, six reps at ninety percent. Um, that's why some people say or beginners or something like, yeah, yeah, I just add fed five pounds and I miss all the time. Um, well, it's not necessarily that. It's just one a five pound jump for depending how strong you are is a big jump. Two, uh, you just tend to be. A little bit uh, better at handling heavier loads uh, for repetitions. Uh, two, they just fatigue a little bit less often. So if we're doing, again, like um, 90% and we're going to do as many sets of three as we can there, um, yeah. ladies are probably going to be able to do more sets than guys, generally speaking. But again, you go individual specific beyond that, um, and the range might be just as big. We don't know because we can't study every human on the planet. But my guess would be um, there'll be just as many guys that could crush and fatigue less and, and all of it depends on what your condition for it what your fitness is and how you train if you want to train just to do as many triples as you can at 90 percent, you're going to blast this little sex bias or man versus mm -hmm. woman bias out the door because you trained for it my question is this like i know that over the past for sure five years and maybe a little bit longer than that we've seen women be able to <clears throat> squat and deadlift some numbers some crazy numbers that that they had not before um, raw and I wonder to the extent that uh, uh, training differently maybe held them back yeah I think probably in the, the day you know and um, I was talking to Eric Helms I think off air like jokingly about me and Bryce Lewis used to be pretty comparable in strength and you know the biggest thing is Bryce was a little more dedicated than me and then he also decided to go up a weight class uh, mm. before I would let my ego go up a weight class and so he sat at the 231 weight class for a couple more years than I was willing to um, and his number skyrocketed but both of us trained with kind of like a conjugate west side not to bash anything about conjugate west side there's plenty of applications for it but for a raw natural power lifter it's probably not your number one go-to training strategy um, but but 10 years ago there was nothing else and that's what Eric said you know he's like 10 years ago that this 
if you power lifted, you kind of did this style kinda of training. Um, and so that's what we did, both mine through super training and him through Eric and Eric's knowledge at the time. But um, those advancements in like a, a little bit higher intensity, a little bit more specific, a little bit higher frequency training have gone nuts. Um, to give more shout outs, uh, Amanda Lawrence is one of the people you're probably talking about that you may not even know you're talking about. But um, she messaged me. I just randomly... Um, uh, we're just Instagram friends, but she messaged me like three years ago or something like she was at one of my seminars and said how much she enjoyed it or something like that. And I just saw that message and like I've followed her very closely for the last year or two. Like she squats like almost 600 pounds in like the <laughs> like raw drug just, tested in the 84 kilo. That's yeah. More, more, more than you at a lower body. Weight. Yeah. That, she squats yeah. more. She probably squats more with one leg than I do with my whole body at this point. And she's young. She's, she deadlifts really well too. She benches pretty good, but like, yeah, literally squats like 550 for reps and 84 kilos for those that don't know is like, yeah, like 180 pounds or something, but like just stupid, stupid, strong chick. And, um, a lot of it is, yeah, the, the, the pool in powerlifting has gotten bigger, mm-hmm. the, the talent pool and genetic pool because it's gotten more popular. But two, training has gotten a little better. But um, in terms of her, you know, her training versus Bryce Lewis's training, they probably look pretty similar. I would imagine so. Yeah. I don't know. Well, let's talk to Greg after this word from our sponsor. Uh, oh, uh, probably you guys are a lot like me. Um, and one, my sleep is very important. If I don't get enough sleep, I'm irritable. And a lot of us have trouble falling asleep. Some of us have trouble staying asleep. I have trouble with both. Um, uh, some people, uh, have trouble with both like us on average, people are getting less quality sleep than ever before, which is sad. And I know everyone wants to blame it on computers and stuff like that, but uh, I think there's a, a lot of things, um, at play. Uh, and hopefully we're going to attack the sleep issue. Shouldn't feel impossible, uh, but existing sleep aids aren't very effective. A lot of them just uh, kind of knock you out, but don't allow you to get deep, better rest. Uh, and that's why we got Remrise, and we partnered up with them right now. I've been using it for a couple of weeks. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, Remrise is a personalized sleep solution that uses natural plant-based formulas to help calm the mind, relax the body, and get your circadian rhythm uh, back on track for better, more restorative sleep. Um, because it's not always about hours. It's not always about getting to sleep is about this quality sleep that we knew that we need uh, it's drug free so no uh, groggy side effects the morning after uh, all you have to do is uh, get remrise.com slash facts and take their free sleep quiz um, I took the quiz and ended up being a uh, power off which is what they label you uh, meaning that I don't know how to power off I think and uh, my <laughs> mind's always running and I have issues going to sleep and um, whether it be anxiety or overthinking or whatever it might be uh, having issues kind of uh, passing out or, or and then sometimes when I do fall asleep I'll wake up um, with similar things not be able to power off um remrise comes with an awesome digital app uh, that you can also use to track your sleep progress uh, it even has guided meditations to help you get into the right mindset i was a worn out because i don't i had was not getting really good deep sleep um i will say that uh, lately i've been sleeping a lot better and feeling a lot better and not less likely to you know like want to fall asleep during the day um which is a thing uh I, it, it it can be very disruptive if you just want to fall asleep all the time all day when you're trying to work, uh, especially the kind of work that uh, a lot of us do where you're sitting in front of a computer, either you're, you know, working on a particular thing that is maybe not the most exciting thing in the world. It's difficult to keep your eyes open sometimes. That's that's an issue for me. And it's been a lot better lately. 
So uh, do what I did. Check out Remrise today. Go to getremrise.com slash facts. Take their sleep quiz. And when you sign up, you'll get your first week of Remrise free. Just pay for shipping. You you won't find another offer like this anywhere else. Get your first week of Remrise for free when you sign up at getremrise.com slash facts. That's getremrise.com slash facts. Sleep better in 2020. Do yourself a favor. So there's a lot of myths that run around on lifting weights and getting bulky and toning and all these phrases that blow my mind that they're still highly received and are a thing. Um, but for some reason, to this day, I think even within our kind of niche of community sometimes, um, there's confusion on if men and women should train differently, how drastically they should change and what are some of the variables um and we'll keep it simple maybe we'll just stay with kind of powerlifting and strength training um because it's probably slightly different as we head into different sports uh and activities so i know you recently put out an article uh talking about some of these things um but let's let's hit it maybe from multiple angles main main differences um in strength training powerlifting training uh in in men versus women yeah, so that's a good question, and uh, it's hard to say. <laughs> so um, first things first, the the research that's out there that you know looks at comparing males and females on strength gains and hypertrophy over time, uh, putting them on the same training program, so you know same set, same same reps, same intensity, um, tends to find that like on a percentage basis males and females respond to training pretty similarly, both in terms of hypertrophy and strength. So, you know, if over 12 weeks, a male lifter gets 10% stronger, female lifter probably will as well. Um, And so, you know, all of that research is equating all major training variables. And so it seems like when things are equated, you see pretty similar responses. So, you know, that would lead one to surmise that eh, maybe training doesn't need to be all that different um but i think there are i I think that there's other research that suggests that um maybe women could get better results yet um just generally by training harder in some way shape or form Mm. and so what what i mean by that is uh that they don't work hard enough greg (laughs) is that what you're saying well no not not that (laughs) it's that they it's that they can work harder um, they're so better than us at, at everything. That's what I've come concluded in my 31 years on this planet. I mean, at, at least as far as like acute, uh, like metabolic recoverability between sets, like for sure. <laughs> um, hands down. So yeah, w- when you look at the research on like acute fatigue with like within a, a lifting session, um, you find that women do tend to be quite a bit less fatigable than men. Um, so, and, and specifically that seems to have a lot to do with blood flow between sets, uh, and just the ability to deliver oxygen to the muscles and clear waste products. Um, muscle blood flow is going to go up in both sexes, uh, in response to any sort of exercise, but it seems like that, uh, like intraset hyperemic response is a little bit larger or actually considerably larger in females than males. Um, and so because of that, they recover a little bit quicker between sets and thus like, you know, if you have an hour to train, say, 
uh, a female can probably do more high quality sets during that time than a male can. If you, if it's someone who's just like completely dedicated to the game and, you know, they, they have like four hours carved out of their schedule every night that they could work out. Um, you know, I think that like the, the maximum tolerable volume, if, if rest intervals can be as long as someone could want them to be, I think in a scenario like that training for males and females would probably look pretty similar, but under most practical constraints, um, generally either females can go slightly heavier for the same sets and reps or do a couple more reps with the same percentage of one RM if you're matching sets, um, or if you're equating intensity and reps per set, they can probably do a few more sets. So just, you know, total volume reps per set intensity is one or multiple of those can probably be slightly higher in female lifters than male lifters on average. Um, presumably that would aid in strength gains over time. Uh, and interestingly, so um, most of the published research that's out there uses untrained or, or pretty lightly trained subjects. Um but there's a really cool resource, which I assume a lot of people listening to this know about already, but openpowerlifting.org. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely fantastic database of the majority of powerlifting meet results, certainly within the past few years. I think it's like 99% comprehensive going back to like 2011, 2012. And they're like working in, they're working on filling in older meets now. Uh, but it, it's the most comprehensive meat database we have in powerlifting. Um, and so I got bored one time and I downloaded <laughs> all of it. Uh, and I wanted to see for lifters who competed multiple times, um, do you see different rates of progress in male and female powerlifter or powerlifting competitors? Mm. Um, and within the the population of competitive powerlifters, you actually see on average female lifters making more progress uh, over time than male lifters. Um, And so, you know, it's hard to say what biases are in play there. So maybe there's some survivorship bias that, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe more of one sex or the other is like getting hurt and washing out before their gains like slow down. Um, Maybe it's, maybe it's some other sort of selection bias where, uh, entry point you know, to competition, like yeah, how, how strong were they when they started? Yeah. Like may, maybe the average male competitive powerlifter has more training under their belt than the average female competitive powerlifter. And so, you know, you would inherently expect to see less progress meet to meet. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm not saying that it's like the perfect answer to that question, but at least based on, the meat results that do exist, you tend to see female powerlifters making slightly faster progress on a relative basis than male powerlifters. So, you know, it very well could be that in the research, we see that when, you know, sets, reps, loads, or like intensities are equated, males and females make similar hypertrophy and strength progress. Maybe in the real world, female powerlifters are taking advantage of the, the better intraset recoverability maybe handling slightly higher volumes and therefore like in a real world setting, actually maybe making slightly faster strength progress than male lifters because of that. Um, 
or, you know, it could be something else. Uh, so yeah, kind of on average, I don't think training should differ all that much. Um, but insofar as it does differ on average, generally female lifters just can do more than male lifters can. And do you think that the, the kind of traditional bias towards thinking that women were weaker or whatever has kind of kept them in the past from really training, optimally and that so we because we see a lot of really strong women in powerlifting right now and that like Mm -hmm. the the questions kind of did 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 training improve for them so that there are more of them or is it just that we have such a bigger population to draw from because there's so many more people involved in powerlifting now um i I, i'm not not looking for a definitive answer but just an idea of uh of whether maybe women were holding themselves back by training uh lesser than men i don't think so i mean so on like on a general population basis for sure i mean if you take uh the total population of all males who engage in physical exercise and all females who engage in physical exercise a much larger proportion of the males are going to be exercising to get strong and jacked you know Mm -hmm. Um, but within the population of people specifically who compete in powerlifting, I kind of assume that the, the training that the male and female lifters undertake is similarly efficacious. Um, I don't know that that's the case, but that's kind of my assumption just because like, I mean, most, most of the female powerlifters I know are kind of just one of the guys, like it's not like I, I don't think the sexes are as segregated in powerlifting as they are in most other sports. Like, I think they're drawing from a lot of the same, like, information sources. Like, dude, I remember back in the day, um, every powerlifter I met was a West Side devotee. Mm-hmm. Uh, male, female, didn't matter. Like, everyone worshipped the ground Louis Simmons walked on. Um, and so, like you know, regardless of sex, everyone was getting their information from that source. And like, that's what was influencing their training. Uh, and then like Shaco started getting more popular, started seeing a bunch of males and females doing Shaco inspired stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that, uh, within the cohort of powerlifters, I don't think females were training in a way that was like self-limiting and holding themselves back. Um, even though I, I do think that that is probably the case on like a broader population level. Mm-hmm. I feel like CrossFit's another one of those areas where, where there's a lot of, a lot of similarities in the way people train. There's some scaling differences maybe in, in mm-hmm. um, requirements, but yeah, I think it's it, hard to say what those scales are accurate. I'm making this up, but say a guy has to do 50 clean and jerks at 185 and uh-huh. a lady has to do 135. Uh-huh. How do you equate that? I yeah, don't know. I don't, I don't think you um, can. But say you do, I think that's one of the sports like, uh, girls whoop dudes' asses, and how Greg explained that their workload or their engines might mm-hmm. just be able to handle a little more makes a lot more sense, even in something like a CrossFit uh, or even strongman, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. Even more so, might have a bigger effect than something like powerlifting. I feel like there was probably a light bulb going off um, in maybe in CrossFit. It's probably the the biggest phenomenon where people are like, oh, oh, women are like actually really, really strong and have have great endurance if you if given the opportunity yeah if you yeah put the pedal to the metal yeah it's true yeah i mean so as far as endurance goes like um anyone paying attention to 
like marathon runners for the past yeah. thir- 30 years could have seen that. Um, I mean, like there, there's been plenty of female marathoners run, you know, sub 220, which is stupidly fast. Uh, and then like on the strength side of things, especially like strength to body weight stuff, if anyone has seen gymnasts, like yeah. Jesus Christ, female gymnasts are so fucking strong. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, does some of the science or maybe even your opinions on the, um, endurance stuff for women, uh, does some of that have to do with the, the workload you're talking about maybe the, you know, blood distribution or whatever, or does some of a breakdown maybe into more, um, like uh, genetic, like muscle fiber type? Yeah. So as far as endurance stuff goes, the blood flow stuff probably doesn't make quite as much of a difference. Um, so like the, the differences in hyperemic response that, that has more to do with resistance exercise. Um, so as far as endurance stuff goes, the, it kind of depends what duration you're talking about. Right. A marathon's um, pretty extreme. Well, yeah. No, I'm, I'm talking about potentially further than that. Yeah. Well, I know, I think one of the best ultras ever is a lady like the outdoor ultra run four days in the possible. desert. Like, oh man. I, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? She's from Colorado. Kind of a pretty, so, little, so pretty I'm, one. I'm blank. I'm blanking on the name of the race. Um, <laughs> but have, have you, have you heard of the, the Barkley marathon? I don't know if I have. No, I haven't. So the Barkley's crazy. Um, it's through the mountains of Tennessee. It's a 100 mile race. Uh, it's based on, the the guy who shot uh jfk i believe like his escape um, route in, or something yeah yeah so he was in prison <laughs> in tennessee uh he broke out of prison he tried to escape they found him like two months later and he'd only made it like nine miles from the prison That's because amazing. the terrain is that treacherous and so i forget the dude's name but some fucking guy was like oh that's cool let's have people run a hundred miles Makes um sense. And so it's like five loops of 20 miles um, and a very small percentage of people actually complete it. Uh, and it only, you know, brings the top endurance athletes in the world. Uh, but in recent years, more and more people have been finishing. And so the, the sadistic fuck who organized it in the first place was <laughs> like, oh, that actually wasn't hard enough. So he's come up with another race and I forget the name of it. Um, but it's something like, I think it's something like he has a course that's like 5k, give or take. Um, and basically a gun sounds every 20 minutes and, you know, every 20 minutes you take off, you run another 5k. Uh, if you finish in like 17 minutes, you can like sit for three minutes, change your socks, get a drink, whatever. Uh, but then you have to be on the starting line before the gun goes off the next time or you're out. Um, and so, man, I think the people who are the best at it just keep, keep going for over 24 hours. Um, but I, so the reason I bring this up is, uh, this past year, the, the number one and number two finishers were a male and a female. Um, and the female runner broke the prior course record by like 50 miles. Um, But, but another dude still beat her, but she beat, you know, all of the dudes that had come before her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. um, 
getting back like on the topic of physiology. So in terms of endurance performance, there's a lot of relevant physiological differences, but it kind of depends on what intensity of exercise you're talking about. Um, so at a given submaximal exercise intensity, like below anaerobic threshold, uh, females are going to oxidize a greater proportion of fat and a lower proportion of carbohydrate than male athletes will. Um, so that's not going to be really relevant at all for really anything like marathon distance or shorter because elite athletes are pretty much going to be running at threshold. Um, so, you know, they're going to be oxidizing majority carbohydrate anyways. Um, but for like really low intensity, super long duration stuff that becomes more relevant. Um, or, you know, for like team sports where you're not necessarily like running at anaerobic threshold for two hours straight. Um, and also like, so, and, and that seems to be largely driven by estrogen. Um, so, so that particular difference seems to go away, uh, when females hit menopause. Um, hmm. uh, another potential difference is you alluded to fiber types. Yeah. So females on average have a slightly higher proportion of type one fibers than males do. It's not a particularly large difference. So kind of ballparking it, um, males tend to have like a 55, 45 type two to type one fiber split. And for females, it's like 55, 45, type one to type two. Um, so it's not a, it's not a huge difference, but it's potentially relevant for endurance sports. Uh, and females also tend to have a, a slightly higher capillary density, not expressed per fiber, but per like unit of muscle cross-sectional area. Um, so those are, those are all things in play that kind of tilt things in females favor, but there are also a few things that tilt things against uh, females and in, in males favors, and they tend to be larger factors, which is why endurance performance tends to be greater in males. Um, so the biggest factor, bar none, hands down, is the difference in essential fat. So um, like a absolutely shredded near the point of death body fat level for males is like 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, like at 3%, you're starving, you're about to die. But like, you know, that's that's the essential fat for males. For females, it's closer to like 12 percent, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a nine percent difference in essential fat and fat is tissue that obviously weighs something. You have to transport it around a course if you're running or cycling or whatever. Um, but it's not contractile tissue like it's not helping with right. locomotion. Um, and so just right off the bat, you would expect male athletes to perform about 9% better than females on average. Um, and in fact, across a, a wide, like a wide array of di- distances and sports and whatnot, you tend to see a gap in performance of like 10 to 12%. Um, and so the difference in essential fat explains between like 75 and 90% of the difference in endurance performance between males and females. Uh, another, Another relevant difference is men tend to have larger hearts, even when scaled for body size. And so stroke volume is greater. And so they can uh, or or we can circulate blood a little bit better Hmm. um, when that becomes a a limiter to exercise performance. 
And then also uh, hematocrit, so like red blood cell count, um, tends to be like 5-ish percent higher in males than females. So uh, even among like elite endurance athletes, oxygen carrying capacity is going to be a little bit greater in males. uh, And that's largely due to testosterone. Um, so there's, there's some metabolic things working in females favor, especially at sub anaerobic threshold intensities. Um, but the difference in essential fat, um, and the difference in heart size and hematocrit starts to play a pretty big, uh, a pretty big role if you're running at or above threshold. Cool. I, I'm not sure we can say a whole lot more about this particular topic without uh, digging way too deep. So where can people find you? Uh, oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I see what's going on. So uh, you can find me at strongerbyscience.com. That is my website. If you want to check out the research review that I put out with Eric Helms, Eric Trexler, and Mike Zordos every month. That is Mass, Monthly Applications, and Strength Sport. You can find that at strongerbyscience.com slash mass. Uh, and if you want to follow me on social media, I'm most active on Instagram. I am at Greg Knuckles. And for fitness content on Instagram, at official Stronger by Science. And I am also the uh, temporary guest host of a podcast as well. That is the Stronger by Science podcast at sbspod.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate you listening. Give this thing a rating, a review. Check out all Greg's stuff. Uh, I am Solomon Mike, Instagram, Twitter, etc. I am at the Jim McDean. All the social media is a show. 50% facts where percent is a word on Instagram and Twitter. We will talk to you again. All right, one more. Um, can, I, can, can I pee real quick? Absolutely. You can pee as long as you need to. I don't want to you know cut you off <laughs>